0: to estradiol illusions we have a very exciting guest here with us uh who's able to talk about a lot of different subjects because he's had such a uh, fascinating career and i'm looking forward to talking about uh sports tennis lgbtq issues uh and and everything that's been happening with the protests going on we have lindale johnson here with us Lendell, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself yeah,
1: I am a professional tennis player, and I just recently came out. So I'm actually the first openly gay male tennis tennis pro in the world, which is really it's really exciting. But um, before this happened, I really didn't think about how much um, responsibility it will require of me. Now I feel like it's I mean it's something I definitely wanted to do, but I feel like now I have a lot of things to really address. So. I definitely like taking on challenges. Um, yeah, so I do that. Um, I'm also an actor and a model and recently a TV personality. We are wrapping up Deuces in Love. It's a new reality show about me and um, the things that I felt needed to be addressed in uh, different different aspects in life. Um, like, I guess we could say um, I felt... That there were a lot of things that were not addressed in the current media, and I felt like the things that we talk about on the show really need to be addressed. And I felt like, hey, why not take take this on? You know, because I feel like these things are already they've already been like involved. Like I've already addressed them in my life, but they haven't really been addressed publicly. And I feel like that was a great opportunity to to do that. Um, yeah, I actually starred on Umpire in season one as um, a guest actor on the show, but it was, it was kind of um, a big deal because I was already a pro tennis player. So even though I was just a um, extra, it got a lot of uh, publicity because I was, I had like an extended scene and it was just like, you know, a few seconds on the show, but I was already um, recognizable. So it made they made it like a big deal. And so the media just kind of, Went crazy and just, just um, pretty much just blew me up as as an actor, even though I didn't have that much acting background. Um, and the, I feel really it was a double edged sword because I feel like a lot of actors that worked hard on their careers didn't get the the um, visibility that I did, and I feel like that's um, that's kind of you know how I guess the world works sometimes um, if the cards play in your favor. Um, but I will say. I'd, I had no intention of like trying to like take someone's take someone out of the spotlight. It just, it just happened like that. Um, yeah. Um, I also did, um, a lot of modeling in the past. I haven't done that much recently. Um, I did do a quarantine, uh, shoot for Vogue Italia. Um, and I haven't done any, anything since except for, um, I did a shoot for Metro UK, uh, for tennis. Um, but yeah, so actor, model, tennis player, TV personality,
0: so I want to get into empire and modeling uh, a bit later. Uh, those are both very, especially the idea of uh, modeling uh, under quarantine, which is uh, fascinating in of itself. But I wanted to start with the protest because we are about... A little over two months since they really started. I guess longer than that uh, since they've really been underway. And I know that when they first started, there was uh, a lot of people wondering, kind of, what's the longevity of this? You know, we've we've been we've been in this road before with uh, other other protests against uh, racial injustice or school shootings. That you know, the 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 passion can be very strong and then the news cycle the media starts to focus on something else but we haven't really seen that this time this time around it's got a lot of staying power it's uh you know really powerful and i wanted to uh, get your thoughts on uh the protests in general and then also as you you've been somebody who's participated in the protests in uh, new york city can you talk a little bit about all of that
1: yeah it actually it actually happened in brooklyn and i was I was actually headed home and it actually wasn't planned. I just felt a, a strong urge of support and I decided to um, make my way over to the protest. Um, and so I actually got there right when it started. So it was so crazy how it all happened. Um, but yeah, so um, I actually was driving, and I parked my car and I was just like, okay, this is, you know, I haven't really spoke up about this. And I just felt like it was, it was the perfect time to do that. And so Um, I actually met up with the Menari Black Panthers, and we actually, um, you know, we marched all over over, um, Brooklyn, and it was very powerful for me. Um, And, you know, a thing that I guess the media hasn't really talked about, we actually, um, like when I got there, there was like a ton of um, supporters everywhere. I mean, there were so many protesters everywhere, and Um, all of the black people, we just kind of like, we just kind of had to have like our own space and, you know, the organizers of the event, we decided that we didn't want any of the white protesters to be at the front of the march because we felt like, you know, this is our, this is our battle and we, we don't want white people to represent, um, the protest you know and so we we asked all of the white people to get behind um behind us like we didn't want them to be in the front because like when I got there they were just like you know just people scattered everywhere not just not just white people just like all types of races but we didn't want any white white people to be you know at the front of the lines and so we we asked them to move and get behind us um and, uh, you know, the organizers, they gave everyone mics and we pretty much said what we had to say. I mean, it was really great to have, you know, um, a moment for for us to just really speak about what we needed to speak about. Um, a lot of people do not have voices um, and a lot of people have things that they need to talk about. And so that was a great opportunity to let really anyone take the mic and say what they had to say, if they had something on their heart and on their minds, that was the platform from them. I mean, I mean, cause there were, there were just thousands and thousands of protesters there. And, and it was very moving, you know, when, uh, you know, when someone had something to say, everyone was quiet. It was very respectable. There was, there was no looting. There wasn't anything negative, um, about the protest, you know? And so we did go around Bushwick and Fort Greene and, um, uh, we really just kind of went into we went Williamsburg as well. Um, but yeah, we noticed that the police were actually, um, it was kind of forcing us to go like follow them, but, you know, we, we wanted to go where we wanted to go. Like we didn't want the police to try to control another aspect of, you know, of something that we we're trying to um, be a part of. And so we just kind of did our own thing. And um, it was really amazing. You know, we actually had a lot of supporters like, we're going down to Brooklyn. There were people literally out in their cars with like snacks and bottled water and all these things, handing out all these you know um, like you know drinks and food and snacks to everyone. It was it was really great to see much, so much support from everyone. It was it was amazing. Um, yeah, it, it was very powerful, um, and I feel like it's something that needs to happen continually until we have until we have, um, you know, these laws adjusted and changed and policies.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's been uh, really uh, reassuring and uh, heartening to see that these protests have, have continued. I, I was even walking uh, outside in, in Long Beach yesterday, and there was uh, people gathered at City Hall, uh, respectfully, social distancing. Uh, it is very interesting to hear you talk about how the police were trying to uh, sort of guide you, uh, guide the protests, especially like what we're seeing in, in Portland with the president sending in uh, this the disturbing uh, situation with the troops there, and it... it, it it, it contrasts so sort of odd with um, something that's been making the news a lot uh, out on the West Coast is like uh, in, in Huntington Beach, California, the, in Orange County, there's a big uh, anti-mask protest that happens all the time, and you see footage of that, and there's no police anywhere, and yet you guys uh, in, in Brooklyn seem to have uh, something that was a extremely peaceful protest, and yet from the description, it seems as though the police was uh, just constantly breathing down your necks and trying to, to control everything.
1: Yeah, we definitely felt bombarded for sure. And I feel like we just kind of retaliated a little bit. Not like, not physically, but it was just like, hey, we're protesting, we should be able to walk and go where we want. Like, you shouldn't tell us where we can, cannot, you know, walk around. So we, um, you know, I, it was just a false sense of of security, really. I mean, I don't believe the police was there. Were there to actually help and protect us for any type of looting or fighting. I feel like what really happened was they were there to control where the protesters were going. So, which is which was not cool. So, um, so I,
0: I read that you have uh, organized a uh, charity tennis match in in conjunction with the the NYPD in terms of. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 we're almost finished with that. We just have to find a designated um tennis court to do that at, and I believe we're gonna what's gonna happen is we're gonna have like a virtual, a virtual like showing so people will be able to click on a link and they'll be able to virtually view the match. And you know, they'll they'll pay like um what's just a suggested donation, but um, I think the donations like I think it starts at like like three or five bucks. And, um, you know, it varies. Um, but yeah, so it, it is free, but we do have a suggested donation and the, the, um, the money towards that all the donations will go towards, um, all the different charity donations. So, um, it's very exciting. You know, I really felt this would be, you know, a really good thing to do, especially with, you know, tennis being like a very, a very, um, social distancing sport. Like, you know, it's very, I feel like it's very safe, one of the safest sports in, um, the situation at hand. Um, but yeah, so the charity, um, we really were focused on really making sure that we addressed what was going on. Um, and yeah, to raise the money, um, for the NAACP legal defense and education fund and, also the, the ochre project as well. And also the AC LA racial justice program. So again, all that money is going to get um, 100% donated to all of those charities. So yeah, I mean, we, we try to, you know, we want, we want it to be fun, but we want also, you know, want people to know like, Hey, this is, we're not just doing this. Like this is a big deal. And we really want to get, get the money to um, these organizations so we can help with the, the change that's needed
0: yeah I've, I've been thinking i think a lot about like uh i know not not that we really had a lot of uh pride parades this month i mean this uh year with the the coronavirus but in, in past in past uh prides there's been a discussion of whether we want the police to be part of that and a lot of people say you know no cops at pride um I, I tend to more uh, er toward the side of, you know, I think it's kind of a good thing when you have uh, police officers flashing the the rainbow flag, just hearing hearing from accounts of people who uh, can remember a time when uh, the police were uh, would have just kind of laughed and uh, gotten physical maybe at, at that at that notion. and you know, with all the talk of, uh, defund the police, abolish the police, um, to see something like your tennis match, which is, uh, uh, outreach, do you, do you sometimes find it hard to kind of balance the, I, you know, the, the, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these concepts are very, uh, complex and, uh, controversial
1: for sure. Like, um, I don't want to interrupt, but yeah, you know, those thoughts did cross my mind. And, I feel there there will probably be negative and positive press from it. Again, a lot of people are very upset with the police department and they don't want the police involved with anything whatsoever. Um, but I feel this will kind of really be like a silver lining. I'm hoping this will be a silver lining and we'll really get some some positive news out on the police department, at least for the police that are doing Good, because we we know we know that you know not every police officer is like um like a bad cop. It's it's just unfortunately a lot of them have have been um you know revealed um. So I, I think this definitely will be uh, a good thing. Um, I know some people won't be happy about it, <laughs> but I, it it needs to happen, you know.
0: So. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that, we, you know, there needs to be some room in the middle between, like, you know, get rid of the police and also try and, you know, dialogue, communication, all the sport. I mean, sports bring people together. There's so many different narratives uh, about that. And uh, I wanted to ask a couple of questions about your um, coming out in the world of, of tennis because um, it's something that I think about a lot with with regard to, really, all, all, all kinds of sports. We, we don't have any gay, uh, we don't have any uh, NFL players or MLB players who are out, and yet, I mean, even, if, like, if you just look at the statistical data, if you take, like, a couple hundred people, odds are there are some gay people within that. That's just, like, that's just simple math, and yet we don't have this environment where people feel that they're comfortable coming out in that and... I think a lot about how, like, I, I played water polo in uh, high school and college before I transitioned. I remember what it was like to kind of be in those locker rooms that, I mean, water polo is a sport where you're not really wearing a lot of clothes, but they were, like, very high, hypersexual uh, environments, and I, I I think a lot about just just why it is that... that Male sports in particular are these sort of why why people feel so afraid to to approach this subject that is is making a lot of progress in seemingly every other kind of portion of the world
1: can you explain the hypersexual hypersexual you you mentioned oh yeah, so in our locker room
0: and what in what way um in my instance, like you'd have like, water polo speedos uh people would be flinging their towels around uh it, it it really like especially i was in high school when the movie 300 came out which was also sort of a very uh sexual people uh, people were kind of going around uh literally i would see people's junk flying around people uh flat, flapping each other with towels i mean it it was it, it was Essentially what we would, uh, regard now as, as basically sexual harassment, but,
1: um, yeah, I feel like a lot of players, um, I feel that happens like a lot on the NFL, um, and also the MLB team. Um, probably not so much in the, on the, um, on the, um, not probably not so much on the, um, like the basketball teams, I think, but I think it happens more like in the NFL and the MLB leagues. Um, And I mean, if you look at it, you know, in a perspective for uh, heterosexuals, I guess they're, they like to just tease each other. But I feel like out out of like a friendly way, but um, I feel like there's a fine line. And I feel like if there's, if there are, if there are team members on the team that are, um, if they're homophobic, then it's going to cause a lot of problems, and um, I feel like there's there's probably you know a lot of homophobic um, people. I mean, obviously there's a lot of homophobic people out here in the world, but I mean, like inside of a locker room, we don't know to what extent, and I think that's I think that's the big problem. And you know, I also feel like there's no one to really stand up for LGBT cue people in the locker room, either like if you if you are, I you know if you do identify in that category, you're, there's just really you there, you with yourself, and you're alone, and you have to just kind of deal with what goes down. Um, and I feel like a lot of that is been taboo and hush hush. Also, I feel like things that happen that do happen in the locker room, it's not really going to be mentioned during the game. Um, I feel like there's probably a lot of gossip. Behind closed doors about it, and I feel like that's the where the real issue lies. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's interesting to think about the sort of performative sense of, of of masculinity, and and people would I like I'm getting like flashbacks in my head of people who would say like no homo, and then they would do something that was like, like pretty homophobic. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's like.
1: I feel like, like there's. Well, they say that to protect themselves, right? I mean, let's be real. Like, I feel like, you know, you're gonna, you know, if you if you're worried about someone saying something about you, then you're gonna, you're gonna be defensive about it. So, I mean, that's that's very very real. That's that's very true.
0: Yeah, and there's this like coddling of of the of the sort of old guard style uh, of of homophobia where where it it creates this kind of like broader sense of power dynamic that prevents people from just saying like yeah i, I actually am gay like and and, and I, it it goes it it's just it's it's so interesting to think about especially in the sense that like you know you, you you've come out as as a gay tennis player We've had lesbian tennis players for a really long time. There's a library, literally a block away from me, the Billie Jean King Library. We have we have named after her. She's an, an icon of sports. And you know, for for it, it, it's so different between uh, men and women in in this regard. Yeah, it
1: really is. Um, you know, Billie Jean King, he she definitely played, paved the way. Um, so did Martina Navratilova as well. Um, and then we do have um. Former world number sixty seven, uh, I believe his name is Brian Badley. Um, he came out in two thousand seventeen. Um, after he finished, so he came out after after he finished career. Um, but again, I feel like you know a lot of players opened up to him and other um, and other players about their sexuality and you know the homophobia in you know in this men's world, it's really, um, it's really internalized and it's externalized as well. And I feel like that really drives the fear of retraction, you know, um, of corporate sponsorship and endorsement deals, anxiety, um, hate crimes. Honestly, the list goes on. Um, and, and it's a very unfortunate, um, limitation, you know, and I feel like, the more professionals that come out that are, I feel like, you know, the more that come out, the more widely accepted it will become. And, you know, visibility is important. Um, not just because it makes it safe, you know, it makes it safe and easier for others, but also um, the community as well. It, it, it gives the community an opportunity to, su- to support the person that's, that's, you know, coming out, which is really huge. Um, yeah, you know, and we've had we've had really high profile players like Novak Djokovic, um Roger Federer and Andy Murray that have that have been allies of the LGBTQ community and they definitely have been supportive and really encouraged players to come out. But again, you know, we haven't had anyone come out yet except for me. So, um yeah, it's it's still something that that needs to um, grow on, grow on the tour.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I, I was reading about kind of how, how open Roger Federer and, and others have been uh, with their allyship, ship. And uh, it, it, it reminded me of um, last month, we did an episode with the directors of a short film called Wonder. And, and I talked about how I was reminded uh, when, when, Dwayne Wade was on uh, Ellen DeGeneres. I want to say like a, it was it was before quarantine, so it would have been er- earlier in 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 2020. And he was talking about his transgender daughter, and I was uh, very taken. I, w- I was very touched by a, a a thing, a quote that he said that I imagine a lot of people probably didn't really think think much of. Did
1: we play Dwayne Wade?
0: Yeah, Dwayne Wade oh, yeah. Uh,
1: and Gabriel Union. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really big deal, and it's really amazing the support that they've given.
0: Well, he says he said in the he said in the interview just sort of very nonchalantly, and and we're proud allies of the LGBTQ community, and I was like I was sort sort of touched because I mean you really you don't within uh, American sports within like like I guess the big uh, you know NBA MLB NFL you just, you just don't see that kind of. Um, you didn't see those like a, a superstar on the level of Dwayne Wade just standing up and like o- almost in a yeah of course I'm an ally what of it kind of thing you still um there was a big controversy I'm a big baseball fan there's a there's a big controversy last year where the uh, a player uh, Daniel Murphy who was traded to the Cubs was just saying like oh I disagree with the gay lifestyle and it's like you're Check, try, checking the calendar, like, wait, is this is this twenty twenty? Is this two thousand five? Like, wow. what year is this?
1: Wow, it's like it's almost like like a joke. Like, is it, is he being serious?
0: Well, yeah, and I mean, I I guess it, we had um a controversy this weekend. A member, uh, I I forget exactly who it was. Some uh, of the two the two teams where everybody was kneeling. In support of Black Lives Matter, except for one guy who later said, like, they're Marxists. I, I I, can't support that. I only kneel before God. And it's just like, give me a fucking break,
1: dude. Oh, wow.
0: That's, yeah. And that's outrageous. Well, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I feel like in in a lot of these cases and maybe tennis is uh, Sort of more sequestered from that because I mean a lot a lot of these sports like you have got to assume uh, the locker room is is filled with people who uh, probably voted for the orange asshole in the White House or um, you know t- grew up in households that don't agree with uh, it 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 it's even I mean it it's hard to it's hard to even put into words kind of the
1: yeah well tennis is supposed to be a you know primarily a gentleman's sport you know, tennis is supposed to be a a gentleman's sport and we're supposed to be very respectful and, and show sportsmanship and whatnot. So it's, it's, it's really, um, it's really surprising that no one has, has come out with, you know, the amount of, you know, respect we have for each other as players. Um,
0: And you've, uh, you've played a fair bit internationally, right? Yes. Yes, I have. Do you, I mean, so you've, uh, you've, traveled a lot. You've gotten to go to, uh, a lot of countries and, and obviously pretty much every country has a, uh, different view on, on LGBTQ rights and equality. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences, uh, internationally?
1: Yeah, well, I haven't, you know, people were asking me, you know, especially coming out now I've, I've had international media about my coming out story and, you know, it, it does, it does kind of I guess I am a little worried now that I've come out. It's like, what what what's going to happen now if I'm, you know, recognized, even more recognized now? Um, are there going to be any, you know, are there going to be any, like, serious things that could happen to me? Like, am I going to get arrested? I know in Ru- in Russia, they, they just recently had um, an outrageous, like, law that I think that's coming into fruition um about um trans um trans and trans uh um offspring uh apparently they're uh if i get this right i believe they can get arrested now for for really doing nothing um do do you know anything about that recently
0: yeah i know that well there's been crackdowns and um not 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 just in russia but in in some other is is, as as and then transgender also, rights,
1: right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, then also really quick, I know the opposite thing has happened in Sudan. So they've they've decriminalized LGBTQ. Um, you know, they've decriminalized that in Sudan as well. So I mean, things are just things are just topsy turvy going. You know, there's so much happening right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, to to elaborate on the the transgender issue you brought up, there are there are governments that are. Posing the question, uh, I want to say it was also Hong Kong last year. There was there was a big um, the 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 newspaper, The Economist, got in big trouble because they posted a like just question in the form of a tweet that said, "Should should should all transgender people be sterilized?" Basically, was was the question, and I mean, yeah, and it was well, it was very insensitive. But um, when it comes to uh, getting legal. birth certificates uh or or just changing your id in countries i mean if you are especially if you're a um if you're a transgender woman um the so a lot of times the necessary procedures do do make you uh sterile before you can uh, uh get those i mean before i started hrt i uh did sperm banking so that wasn't an issue in 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 my regard but like mm-hmm. For other people and and also for uh, trans men who in in a lot of cases still can get pregnant if they go off of testosterone and don't have hysterectomies and stuff, it does beg the question of like, you know, why would you force somebody who doesn't want to have a procedure like that, who doesn't ostensibly need the procedure like that to live as their true gender and all of that? Why would you force them to do it? And yet, of course, here we are. So that's... A big mess, but, um.
1: but but yes, you you. I can. Go, I want to go back to that question you asked me about the international traveling. Um, it it does make me nervous now, and now that I feel like um, I guess I'm more famous now because of everything that's happened. So, it does raise the question: um, Am I going to be um, you know, targeted? Will I be targeted traveling around the world? A lot of the pro tournaments um, are. Um, they're not, you know, they're not in the United States, so that's definitely going to be, uh, I guess, a concern of mine. But I'll just have to, i look past it and, and keep playing. So,
0: do you think that large sports uh, organizations have a responsibility to take firmer stances on on these uh, human rights situations? Like, I'm, I'm thinking. The World Cup in, uh, I want to say 2022 or 2024 is supposed to be played in in Qatar, which is uh, really an oppressive country for, uh, I mean, pretty much basically everybody, unless you're like a cisgender man, uh, even then not not, not so great. But you kind of look at that saying like, okay, you, you can buy like World Cup themed like pride merchandise probably, but God forbid a gay person steps foot in that country.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like, you know, that does need to be addressed and it should be addressed by a person of power that can really, really address and really make it very visible during, during the, um, during the, champ, you know, the uh, during the championships, absolutely. And I probably would say there also needs to be, um, some LGBTQ people of power that are taking care of, um you know maybe hosting and and really being outspoken about those those things that that are not really visible um yeah i mean it's, it's, soccer is
0: huge <laughs> yeah and i mean it it seems like i guess we're we're like we're we're moving away from like Kind of a mundane, mundane example would be like a, at a Thanksgiving dinner table, a homophobic or a racist uncle just kind of getting like tolerated and you roll their eyes and you put up with it. And we're kind of I, I feel like as a nation kind of moving away from like this sort of begrudging like, oh, we, we put up with people like that more towards something like, you know, saying that's not OK when when you see when you see racism or homophobia you know, th- there's an increased sense of you should have a responsibility, especially if you're straight or white, to, to call it out and say, you know, this space is is not, uh, you know, that's not okay.
1: Yeah, you know, and it needs to be done. It needs to be done right there. Like, it needs to be nipped in the butt. It, it does not need to be gossiped about behind closed, closed doors if you see something or hear something. That's not right and it does not resonate with your core values, you know, that align with LGBTQ support Then it needs to be said right then and there so that it can be addressed. That's one of the major, major things that need to be done, too. I feel like people need to stop being silent when they see something um, negative like that happening um, in their environment.
0: So I wanted to ask a question. Um, as you were talking about the protests, I uh, had had a question more uh, related to Hollywood, and wanted to get your perspective. So, when you were talking about how um, the the group that you were protesting with wanted uh, white white people to sort of step aside and let let people of color take take the take the lead and have a voice, uh, it reminded me of. You know, whenever Pride Month rolls around and we we talk about like what's the greatest uh, gay movie or the greatest transgender movie, a lot of the answers, in fact, even like for for, for more recent examples, a lot of the answers are uh, straight people who are playing playing gay parts and stuff, and it makes me think about yeah, I know I know that um,
1: that uh, Holly Berry just pulled out of the All right. gender yes. role recently. But yeah, I, I feel like it's it's you know, there are so many qualified qualified transgender actors and actresses and I feel like they need they need to work, you know, and and the best way is to have them do this. I mean it's it's the best way in in a sense of the organic um, lifestyle that they have, you know, experienced. So who 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 couldn't play it better? You know, who couldn't do a better job?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, we had on the director of the Netflix doc, uh, Disclosure, we had uh, Sam Fader on last month, and we were talking about... I mean, because when I do interviews, and people ask me, like, the Halle Berry thing happened very quickly and is recent, but the Scarlett Johansson one uh, it was was last year, and I, I would get asked about that, and they'd say, you know, a lot of them would go back to... Acting is acting, and I, I I think in in a very very broad general sense, uh, most people could agree that's that's true. But when when you get into like an LGBTQ, um, when you're when you're dealing with those identities, particularly trans identities, and you, you're you're dealing with a situation of you know what's a straight cisgender person. Supposed to, like, like, how do you act transgender except, in, it, like, revel in stereotypes and stuff? Uh, and it becomes kind of a problem because then people who see the famous actor or the famous actress uh, perform in that, then they think that, you know all transgender women are just kind of uh, masculine m- men pretending to be women trapped in the wrong body trope, all of that kind of stuff. Right. and
1: for false representation. It really is. And I, I do know that Darren Christ, didn't he pull out as well? Didn't he make like an ultimatum that he wasn't going to do that anymore either?
0: Yeah. And I, I think like the, the, the national discussion tends to focus a lot on, on trans issues, but like, you know, like I'm a huge fan of the movie "Call Me by Your Name," and I've been oh, grappling. A beautiful movie, I love that movie. It's, it's. I mean, it's
1: really amazing what his father did said to him at the end. I mean, in a perfect yeah. world, in a perfect world, all all fathers would would be like that, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I went to see that movie with my uh, with my mother, who has not forgiven me for the peach scene, but um,
1: the the what scene? I'm sorry, the
0: the scene with the peach.
1: Oh, wow. That was, so <laughs> really, intense. Um, that was really graphic. <laughs> that was yeah. very graphic. Um, I know they're making a sequel, right? I'm, I hear they're making a sequel. To-
0: there is a book. Um, there's a book, Well, there was a book written. I imagine the sequel coming to film w- will happen at, at some point in time. But- no, I mean, I
1: think that I've seen it in the news that it is happening,
0: that it's set to start filming in production. Wow. Yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me. That's, that's, I mean, that's great. It was a great movie. And yet, I mean, at the same time, um, you know, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer are, neither one of them are gay. And I wonder, like, is, is that bad? I, 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 and I, I don't know if I have an answer to that, but it's something that, like, I think about, or like, Brokeback Mountain, Adore Heath Ledger, Jake Hall, neither of them are gay. And it's like, is this an issue? I, I don't know.
1: I, I feel like it comes to the point where, um, I guess you can make it an issue if you feel like if you feel like it, it is one. I mean, there's so many pros and cons in this situation. I feel like you know, if there are you know an X amount of actors playing LGBTQ roles and there are X amount of LGBTQ actors not playing the role, and if, you know, if there's, if it's not balanced, then it's an issue. So I feel like if we can get, you know, a good amount of cease actors playing LGBTQ roles and also get an X amount of um, LGBTQ actors also playing LGBTQ roles as well and balance it out, then it, then it won't be a problem. So I feel like the main issue right now is because it's, it's really not balanced.
0: Right. And then there's then there's the the question of representation versus visibility, like a cisgender actor playing a trans person leads to especially if we're dealing with like a famous actor, um, more eyes will be on transgender issues that are uh, that were that weren't necessarily there before. But at the same time, it's like, well, is this good representation? I mean, um, the past couple of months have brought to light, uh, there's a controversy around uh, Viola Davis is not a fan of the the movie The The Help, which was based off a book, The Help. My, my father actually worked with the uh, ex-husband of Catherine Stockett who wrote the book of The Help. And it is this kind of awkward scenario where you have this, this, white woman who writes this book that for a while was, was the number one streaming uh, movie on Netflix, and then you have its uh, black actresses basically rightly pointing out that, you know, sure, there's a lot of black people in this movie, but, like, look at how the narrative is framed and who it's, like, shown through the eyes of, and I I think that that's an important discussion that people need to have more.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, think about think about, you know, the eye the eye of the beholder, right? You think about this movie and the was, you know, it was written in the eyes of a white CIS woman. So how could she even begin to come close to know and feel what it's like, what, you know, what, what went down with all of that, you know? So that's, that's a, a huge question that needs to be addressed. And I feel like there's a lot of truth in that. And I feel like the only way to, to truly really kind of get all the kinks out is by producing, you know, an authentic movie that really has the right type of crew involved. Right. So, um, you know, we should definitely have, you know, maybe an LGBTQ person that is in like the studio while all that's going down that has, you know, a strong say on how an emotion should be addressed compared to not having those, you know, um, that type of, uh, I would say, instrumental type of, you know, um, you know, eyes out there just to make sure that that it gets produced properly. So um, there needs to be like authentic, authentic people that are involved. Um, when these very sensitive films and movies are being produced because you want them to be portrayed in the in the realest way in the most in the most authentic way as well I mean that's what makes a, a movie great um yeah but like, what do you, what do you think do you think that's true
0: yeah and i I, I think I, well, I think that's a good um sort of way to segue into talking about Empire a bit, because Lee, Lee Daniels is somebody who is, uh, you know, been been kind of a visionary at, at, at presenting these kinds of narratives in a way that's, you know, authentic and not through a white gaze. And, uh, you know, Empire kind of exploded when it came out in... 2015. Tw- 2015, right. And um, it came out at a time, too, when, like, there are not a ton of really great network TV shows that are, are getting buzzed about and talked about, these days, and yet with with all that's going on in streaming, and yet Empire hits the scene, and I remember exactly watching the I'd had uh, the pilot recorded on my DVR, and oh, I'd had yeah,
1: you probably saw me and didn't realize it was me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I well, my my partner is was a is a huge Empire fan. Um, things are kind of up in the air of whether it'll get a proper finale with uh, the coronavirus, uh, hoping they're able to, to wrap up the story, but, um, it was, it, it it's such a really, um, I, I love the way that it, that it was able to, to grapple a lot with, um, on so many issues within the music industry, but it also really made homophobia within the, um, music industry, a, a key focal point of the series. Uh, yeah, even
1: it did. yeah, it really did.
0: Yeah. Um, so you were in the pilot. What was, can you talk a bit about like the experience of being there and kind of the energy? Cause obviously when you're filming a pilot, you don't know that the show is going to be huge. And yet, I, I guess maybe when you're dealing with something like that, maybe some people probably did, did realize that it was going to be a big deal.
1: Yeah. Um, I got, you know, a call back. I sent in my photos. I heard from, um, one of my model friends, you know, cause once you start modeling, you just become friends with other models. And so, one of my model friends told me that um, she started getting into acting and she was like, it's like hey, Lindell, they're looking for attractive black models and actors for the pilot of empire. I'm like, Oh, it's empire. You know, it's, you know, it hasn't been shot yet. So um, I did submit my photos and my resume and I got a call back and, and from there it was, it was just like, wow, you know, it just, it really just was a really a catalyst into Hollywood really on um, being around all of those celebrities and, and really being on set for like the whole day. um, It really was, um, I'd say that my experience with Empire really opened up a lot of doors for me and really just opened my eyes to the way Hollywood movies are, are filmed. You know, I didn't, I it was the biggest, um, the biggest show I've ever been a part of. And to have Lee Daniels, like, you know who I am and, and you know, talk to me on set in front of everyone, and you know, mention me by my first name. It was it was really powerful, and um, I definitely felt felt that I was making a difference. Um, you know, even though I had such a small role, I still felt it was, I still felt like I, you know, um, was you know, I felt like I really made a difference in getting the movie done right you know because the smallest parts are sometimes some of the most important you know because if you don't have if you don't have the extras and you don't have you know all the little people doing what they need to do then the scene won't work at all and and, and again it really takes the village it takes everyone on set no matter how big or small your role is it's it's it is important and and it, and it needs to be done um, but yeah so yeah, filming on set, you know, it really helped me get a nice schedule going because we filmed quite a bit. Um, call time would be like five in the morning, six in the morning, and we'd film all day until, you know, late at night. And a lot of people were tired and a lot of people don't know that, you know, we'd film these, <laughs> we filmed these scenes like over and over again. And, you know, you know all the partying and dancing scenes, you know.
0: People. Those are at five in the morning.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes, and you know, we're wow. we're tired, and a lot of the, the women have on heels, and they're in pain, and they have to just keep doing it and keep jumping around like they're so happy. I I know the scene that I was in it was actually very cold, um, because we filmed um at Navy Pier, um, uh, you know, in uh in Chicago, um, off of Lake, Lake Michigan, and it was very cold that day. I remember it was really cold. I had to meet up with some of the Ford models, and we we um, met on met on location. It was a private location, and then we walked over to um, over to the set, you know, for the yacht, and then we filmed. And we had to film a lot. <laughs> we had to film a lot. I think I remember drinking like like warm water or some coffee in between takes. It was so cold, and it was funny because Lee Daniels wanted me to get to know. The person I was next to, I mean, we were both extras, but it was so funny that um, it's such a small role, you know, it was, it was very important for Lee Daniels to, for him, he wanted us to have chemistry as, you know, as friends or whatever we were for that, for that scene, just to make it as real as possible. So we had to, you know, we had to get to know each other um, before we started shooting. So that was really cool. And, you know, I really got to see all of, you know, the, some of the main actors and meet them and get to see, you know, what happens when, when they make mistakes, like what, what do they do to fix them, fix themselves and get themselves back in character. So I, I learned quite, I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot being on, on that show.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so great to hear. And Empire really, it, did so well in terms of the way it was able to tell very nuanced uh, stories about, um, you know, father father son dynamics when one is gay, and uh, I felt like I learned a lot watching. Like I, uh, in 2015, I hadn't transitioned yet. I was just kind of like, I think that was a year before I started transitioning, thinking about a lot of that stuff. And you're reminded of the importance of visibility because. You know, you you for somebody like me, I was sitting there watching it, and then after the credits stopped rolling, you say, you know, I saw somebody on TV who went through something that's similar to what I'm going through, and I've, I've, I felt better as a result of that. Just that kind of quiet power, although I guess in Empire's case it would be kind of uh, loud power, which is also good. Uh, it's, uh, you know, 2015 seems like it was so long ago in so many ways, and yet, like you know, for something like that to be so radical on uh network television is, uh, I guess it's, it's reassuring to see where we are now.
1: Yeah. I, you know, again, I feel like it was the only show of its magnitude that, that really had such a strong, you know, visibility on an LGBTQ person in that position that was, that went down on the show. And, I feel like Louis Daniels just really really did it so well. I mean, there weren't any any big shows going on around that time, anyways. I feel personally, and that's, it just made it even more even more of a statement, um, you know. And also the you know the um, the hyper and toxic masculinity that um, that the father um, Lucius um, really portrayed was. You know, I feel like that—that's definitely real. Um, but you know, it's—it's it's not something that we know is, you know, a reality for every family. Um, right. I just felt like that was just definitely an extreme case. Um, that, of course, you know, it was great to, great to um, show that, you know, in such an extreme case like that. But I feel like um, because of that, it just made it that more powerful and and i feel like the reason he cast lucius to to act in such a you know negative way was to really make a statement and Uh and really really develop the story and and let people know in the audience that that it's okay to it's okay to kind of go through those family struggles with your with your um you know your siblings and your and your offspring identifying as lgbtq but you're able to love them and look at and look at them as you know through a, through a through a lens of love versus a lens of um you know homophobia and all the other things that are attached to um through a homophobic lens so
0: so let yeah i couldn't agree more let's talk about uh deuces and love um what what gave you the idea to uh create the show and uh sort of sort of bring uh tennis and equality together in that kind of regard
1: well of course you know i i already identified as, as gay before i came out um i just had to i just had to you know be okay with it and not be um not and not uh you know deny deny my truth and that took a lot of time actually and when I started filming for Umpire, I was around so many stars. I, I feel like, you know, at that time, I had just started my my tennis academy in Chicago. I was giving tennis lessons to the public um, while I was filming Umpire as well. So I was coaching tennis and then also filming Umpire at the same time. And I, I also was playing pro tennis, too. So it was a lot of happening. I was doing playing tournaments. I was coaching the public. And then I was going and doing as many... Um, as many you know set calls as I could do, um, but yeah. So I just felt like, you know, okay, you know, if I'm around all these stars like this, then then why not maybe coach them? Why not coach them as well? And so that kind of led into that, and then I started doing more TV interviews, you know, as an actor and a model and a tennis professional, and then it came to my mind to maybe have a reality show because of all the things that I I was involved in and all the things that weren't addressed in the mainstream media. And one day I came up with the the title Deuces and Love. And for me, it was just like this aha moment, like this Oprah aha moment, because I'm just like, like, oh, perfect, deuces, you know? Because like in tennis, when you get to deuce, like in tennis scoring, it's literally like as a tennis player, when when you get to deuce, it's honestly like, the, the worst thing. Like, you've worked so hard to to not get to deuce, you know, and, and then it's like, oh, you're in deuce now, which is, it means that you're, you and your opponent are tied. You know, like, the scoring is deuce to deuce. So, um like, 40 to 40. So, literally, it means that, that you've either had a game point or your opponent has had a game point, which means that they would win the game. But you both have, like, fought, for points back and forth so, so much that you've evened out the score, you know? And so I felt like, oh, deuces, you know, this title deuces will be like the perfect, the perfect um, title, you know, because it it really illustrates, you know, really the deuces of life and of what we're all going through right now and all the ups and downs in the world and all the ups and downs in my career and love life. And so I thought deuces and love would be the perfect, perfect title so so yeah um and then when i moved to new york i started coaching even more stars and i feel like oh if i'm with all these stars why not why not make a show out of it you know you know it's like okay they're talking to me about whatever's on my mind like when i worked with jason isaacs um actor jason I, i'm sure you've heard of jason isaacs
0: oh it's star trek harry potter yeah he's been, uh,
1: in, he's been in like a plethora of
0: of movies and films yeah uh, speaking of oh, lucius you mentioned lucius oh, 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 from empire we have lucius malfoy
1: i know right that's so funny <laughs> yeah i actually took down the photo of him and i on my tennis website because I, I wanted to focus more on all the covid issues right now i didn't want people to go on my website and just see um jason isaacs and me like in the top of the tennis page so i'm pretty sure i took that down but yeah um, the stars, you know, Katie Holmes and everyone—they were, you know, whatever I had to say that was on my mind—they, they were just so open and organic about it. And it's like, okay, if I can talk to these stars about whatever I want, then, then maybe, maybe I can do a show and, and we can address these things so it won't be so private. You know, and the world will know how we actually feel about these things that need to be addressed. And what better way to have it on a, on a, you know, a mainstream platform? And um, and here we are now, so.
0: So tennis, in, in other words, was kind of something that um, sort of brought you together and allowed people to kind of open up and uh, talk more about themselves or issues? Well, the
1: stars, definitely, yes. Definitely with the stars, for sure. Yeah, tennis definitely made that happen for me. Absolutely. That
0: That's interesting to think about because, like, I – call myself an activist and i spend a lot of time dealing with lgbtq issues transgender issues but like i'm a i'm a film critic I, i i often like prefer doing things that have that you know feature gay characters because i think they should and but but i often approach a lot of that not necessarily from a uh gay perspective and yet you know, when you're at a festival or or you're having uh, straight people on on the show, um, you know, I I feel like like uh, a common love of, of film or even like at a baseball game uh, when you're just talking to the people around you, I, I I've seen firsthand kind of the power of sport or or shared interest to kind of tear down these walls that sometimes feel like they're artificially placed up for. You know, just just societal purposes and whatnot. So I think that's really great that you've been able to thank uh, you so much. And just kind of
1: to add to that, it's it's like when I'm out training here in New York, I, I might run into. There's been several times I've ran into. I guess I'm going to assume straight, c white tennis players, and and they see that they see um, that I'm really good at tennis, and maybe they're not, and maybe they're beginner players, and it's a great. It was a great way. Tennis is a great way to connect on. Um, And these straight white men, I mean, Uh because I'll be, like I said, I'll be out playing tennis or training and, you know, I've had like, you know, these cease white straight guys come up to me, tennis players, and they, they ask for my number. They want to play tennis with me. And it turns into a conversation, you know, outside of tennis and maybe they'll end up, you know, we're playing tennis together and they strike up a conversation about things that they want to know about the LGBT community or maybe they've shared some personal things in their, um, their heterosexual relationship with me. And we just kind of feed off each other. And, and I feel like it's a really great way to foster, um, you know, organic positive relationships with, with, um, heterosexuals and, and homosexuals as well through, ten- through tennis. That's in my yeah. experience, it's been very positive.
0: Well, that that's great to hear, and I I, I, I You know, it, it, I feel like you see on the news all the time people saying like, "Oh, we're so divided. We're so you know." Well, I feel like
1: the media always wants to divide the world. Like they want to keep the world divided and all things like in categories, which is which is not good. And,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think that uh you know, and in, in any opportunity, you know, in some ways it feels like it can be kind of annoying to like. Know that you're the sort of the 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 other in these situations, and it's your job to kind of be, you know, set a good example on behalf of a community. That I mean, it's it's a burden that nobody should be expected to have, and yet, you know, that's the way you do bridge building, and you meet, you know, you tear down walls and you bring people together. Yeah,
1: you know, and to kind of touch on that, you think about um, how there's all this, you know, in the in the straight world how people will say oh that's gay that's so gay or that's too gay or like how you read right. earlier oh that oh that's no homo but you look really great you know things like that it's like if we if we reverse the situation and flip it on its head and it's like oh that's that's you're so straight you know like oh that's how is that you know i feel like how is that offensive right i mean i feel like yeah can you, i feel yeah i just feel like how is that how can that really be you know offensive how do you Turn the rolls around like if you st- if you went up to someone and said, Oh, your outfit is so straight you should never wear that like like w- what would their response be like would they even be you know hurt by by you saying that <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah yeah no it's it's important to think about uh it's it's the world we live in but you know i th- I think with visibility with representation uh we can hope to uh change i mean we've 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 come a long way from like a world where you could see gay being used as a synonym for stupid in, in day-to-day conversation.
1: Uh, I, I, I have, I, I I don't like that. And and it's, and that's still prevalent. It's, it's not as prevalent as it was, but it's, people are starting to watch their mouth now, but it's still, it's still out there.
0: Right. And then if you, if you call it out, people are like, uh, it, it becomes some like, uh, diatribe on, on free speech or something. And it's a, that's a non sequitur. And you just want to say like, you know, don't be, don't be an asshole. How about that? That's, that's your, you know, free speech all you want. But if you're going to say words like that, you should be shunned. That's kind of how I view yeah, it. Yeah, rep- I mean, if,
1: if you don't have anything nice to say, then sh- then shut your mouth.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Um, so as we, as, as we, uh, start to wrap up, I wanted to ask, cause you talked about how you struggled, um, with uh, with coming out or or coming to terms with your sexuality i I know kind of the beauty of of podcasting is we have a wide reach international uh all sorts of uh, uh, of people but uh, I do get a fair amount of of questions from people who are still in the closet wondering how to come out um do you have any advice for people who are is especially within within the world of sports people who are are uh hiding their sexuality because of like fears of how they'll be received by their teammates and stuff um do you have any advice for people uh yeah I, I, I get that question a lot and I I feel I feel like it's
1: it's really serious you know like I I wouldn't have came out if I didn't if I didn't have the things that are needed to come out if that makes sense so yeah. Um, in sport, you know, it's it's really all about, I mean, unfortunately, it's all about financing and it's all, also about being supported by, by your coach, really. I mean, tennis is an individual sport, and so, you know, there's really no team. But in a sports aspect, um, looking outside of tennis and looking at all the other sports um, for the LGBT community, I would say my advice to someone that is in the closet and they're playing um, in a sport, whether they're, whether they're playing professionally or not, they need to, they need to have, you know, reassurance that they have a emotional support team um, that they can trust with with coming out. Um, they need to make sure that they can be financially independent and that they're fin- financial literate and all all aspects in their life. And, and um, I feel like that should be enough for them to, you know, take the plunge and come out. Like you don't want to come out without having, you know, someone to fall back on emotionally. You don't want to come out and not have someone to fall back on um, financially if you're not able to financially take care of yourself. So, I mean, that's, that's when you become like homeless and, you know, like a, Spiral of negative, unfortunate things could happen. So again, I would, my advice for them would t- to be make sure that they are, you know, they're okay, um, with housing and, and funding. You know, you, you wouldn't want to be uh, stripped from your funding by because of you coming out. So I feel like you need to make sure that's secure, um, and and that you have a, you know, an emotional support team. And then that, make sure that you feel okay to do it, and and then and then do it. So, I mean, it sounds simple, but I feel like there's so many thoughts that come to mind when you decide to come out because you have to you have to be okay with with, with you know people that you care about not being supportive of your decision to come out, and it really takes it that really takes um a really strong strong person. So they need to make sure they're in a strong mindset and that they, they really sit and kind of meditate and in, in that reality, right. Before it happens, like come out, you know, in your meditation and see how do you feel, you know, during meditation or coming out and visualizing coming out, you know, are you having positive and good things about it? Like what's, what's underneath the surface? Like are there any more negative thoughts that are, that need to be addressed? And if they're coming out during all of that, then, um, then you need to address those negative thoughts and 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 meditate and focus on uh, collective, um, collective uh, things that you need to do to get rid of those negative thoughts. And once you do that, then then that's your ticket to come out.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good practical advice. I think uh, I describe coming out a lot to people as you know really. If, yeah, it's very
1: personal and instrumental and there's no wrong or wrong or right time to do it. So.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, if it's cringy and it totally sucked and you hated every moment of it, uh, odds are a lot of times that could be a good coming out.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, the, the world's really progressed since high school. Um, you know, I, I don't regret not coming out in high school. My, my I, I lived in a, very predominantly white neighborhood and high school, and a lot of the student body was there's was just, just so much gossip and they so clicky, and and I really didn't feel um, I didn't really feel like I was a part of um, like a supportive team, really, except for my my tennis team. Really, I mean, my tennis team was very supportive, so. Um, in fact, in, in an article I wrote, um, an article I talked about coming out, um, but I actually didn't come out to my team. My, one of my teammates they they knew that I was gay, and I remember they were like, "Oh, Lenny," in high school I went by Lenny, but um, they're like, "Oh, Lenny, we know you're gay. Just we don't care. Just just kill it in tennis, like, because we had like a match or something, and they didn't care that I was." Okay, they wanted me just to like beat up my tennis opponent, so <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um,
0: well, hopefully the rest of sports can uh, get on that page because it's a good good page to be. Yeah, yeah, it, it really was. Um,
1: but yeah, that's definitely my advice to anyone that's in the closet in sport. Um, yeah, definitely. I guess also maybe some more advice would be to speak to someone that has come out. And talk to yeah. them as well. Talk to a mentor that's already come out that's living in your truth that you're not living in, and speak with them. See if they have time. A lot of people are willing to help if you just
0: ask. Yeah, I would, I would, I would echo that. And um, final question. Um, so Deuces and Love is uh, coming out. Can you tell us uh, where we can find it, and also sort of more broadly, what's on uh, what's next on the agenda for you and your career?
1: um deuces of love we are right now we're syndicated with amazon prime i just found out last week i haven't done any um you know press about this yet but yeah we are gonna go with amazon prime
0: and congratulations
1: thanks it's very exciting um and we're gonna have um a lot of stars on the show billy porter is very interested Uh, Ah, that's wonderful Yeah, so we really want to get him on there We're probably going to do, right now we're focused on Zoom interviews with the stars Um, It's a little tough Right now to You know, have the camera crew Be involved Like directly with the other stars Like a normal reality show Um, So we're going to, we're probably just going to Zoom those stars and I'm going to have a camera crew practicing um, COVID-19 regulations Here in New York while I continue all the stuff i've been doing um, with tennis acting modeling the tennis training um then we'll have the cameras follow me around during my um my dates as well that i have i just recently started dating again during the pandemic um wow so i mean uh that was pretty interesting i, I actually went a date with um with a fitness trainer uh, and we were actually i actually met him on grinder but we just kind of talked for like six months we just kind of talked for six months, which was, which was nice. So we just talked for like six months on grinder here and there. And finally, it's like, "Hey, when are you gonna ask me on a date?" And we finally did the date, and it was it was really nice, actually. It was so great to get out of the house and and be comfortable, you know, outside with with someone that you, that you're interested in, and you're able to share share your your life about to just to someone that doesn't know know anything about you that you're interested in. It's definitely a really nice feeling. So. I think we're in phase four, phase five right now in New York. Um, so yeah, that's going on right now. Um, we also just started a Kickstarter for the show. Um, a couple of investors have have pulled out for the show. And so to fill in that financial gap, I launched a Kickstarter and it hasn't been released yet though. Um, I'm probably gonna release the Kickstarter this week. Um, we have an interview with the Yahoo news, which is great. Um, that we'll share the Kickstarter and talk about some other things. Um, so that's a project I have going on right now. Um, I'm probably going to do some more things with Vogue. Um, I want to shoot a little bit more with Vogue. And I would like to start modeling a little bit more now. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's my project right now. Um, I'm, I'm also, you know, going back on tour also for tennis. So... I will be probably going to West Palm Beach for training, um, so I can get ready to play competitively again. Um, it's either that, or I'll be going upstate New York, where there's like an extension to the training facility that that I am um, currently kind of kind of navigating right now. Um, yeah, it's called uh, Tour Program. Um, yeah, they um they have they have a lot of uh prestigious tennis stars that they um that they, they kind of shoot out and I definitely want to get things going. I feel like the pandemic has really allowed a lot of people to really just kind of get all their injuries put together like healed. A lot of pros we we play injured. A lot of people don't know this, but a lot of the top pros I'm not a top pro, but Um, but a lot of the top pros, um, you know, just in professional tennis, we, we are injured throughout the whole year and we have to, we have to play injured, unfortunately, because we have protected rankings and ranking points that we have to protect. And it's better. We would rather play in the tournament injured than not play in the tournament at all and not, and not get the, our ranking points. And I feel like because of the pandemic, a lot of players on tour have really had a lot, a really, really long time to, actually let those prolonged injuries heal. And it's it's something unheard of, you know, because tennis season, we really, don't, we really don't have a an off-season. We kind of sort of do, like, towards the end of the year, like, like uh, November, December. But then not really, though, because even though it's your break, like, the Australian Open is right there in January. So it's like we really don't have a break. And I feel like, again, that's why so many players play injured. Roger Federer is undergoing knee surgery right now, I think on both the knees, um, which is a big shock to the tennis world. I mean, I, did, I didn't know he had any issues with his knees. Um, but yeah, those are some projects that are going on right now. Um, I want to wrap up season one. Um, yeah, I want to kind of get that finished. Um, it's really exciting. So so yeah, that's pretty much what's going on. Oh, I also have a book that I started um, that I started writing um, it's on my website so it's dot com slash book it doesn't really give any details about the book actually this there's, there's just like a title it's um America's first openly gay black tennis professional and it just it lists um you know how I overcame poverty and um, racism um, and also systematic racism so, Um, in sport and tennis so those are those are like the main points but i just kind of talk about like how i how i came to where i am now in the book so i'm I'm not finished writing it though that's why i haven't put it out on like amazon or barnes noble but yeah we're gonna get it published uh, on amazon.com and then also for barnes and nobles
0: well it seems like you've got uh, a lot on your plate very busy always good to see with uh Corona grinding everything to a halt, seeing people stay busy and, uh, that's so much on the, so much on the slate. And it's been, uh, it's been so great talking with you, Lindell. Um, we'll link to your uh, social media, your website, and, um, we'll be watching for deuces in love with, uh, with great interest.
1: Thank you so much, Ian. It was a pleasure. I, I really enjoyed the questions that you presented. There are a lot of the unique questions that I haven't, I haven't really had to address publicly so it was really nice to kind of let them just kind of sit in my mind and and, you know just kind of watch the the thoughts come together i enjoyed it
0: well thank you that's that's a great great compliment i uh, i appreciate it and uh thank you so much for coming on and uh to everybody listening thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time bye guys